The Start On Demand. On demand. is Christmas Eve, and Kelly Moore has put together a special Blue Bombers edition of Twas the Night Before Christmas. An Australian mom is blasted for boring and pointless sustainable solution gift packaging. John Rush from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers joins us for Breakfast with the Bombers. We speak with Carolyn Clausen from Conexus Counseling on navigating Christmas parties with people you don't really like and navigating the season while dealing with grief and loss. And Third and Bird is moving. Their spring and Christmas markets will be moving from Hudson's Bay downtown. Well, we'll tell you in the podcast. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back on Friday. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, December 24th, Christmas Eve edition of The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back on Friday. Merry Christmas Eve, I wish, though, Greg, that uh, Christmas Eve was off to a good start for you, but you, you've, I gotta say, you've been a little cantankerous this morning. <laughs> I suspect it has to do with a certain hockey game, with a certain ice hockey match that happened last night at Bell Oh, my place. word. That is one of the worst games I've seen the Winnipeg Jets play in a long time. I'm happy for the people who go to one game a year and see their team win. At the expense of my team. Kevin Hirschfield so, counts is it would be counted among those uh, yes. from Global News. Yes, uh, absolutely he would. Yes. And so, but at the same time, I feel so bad for the fans that go game after game and they don't know which Jets team is going to show up. Is it going to be the team that won six nothing in Minnesota? The Wild had w- lost one game in regulation at home all season, yeah. previous to Saturday's big win by the Jets in Minnesota, and now the Jets have lost all of a sudden three games at home in a row in very unimpressive fashion. They had a great November, mostly built on the road. They were out shooting Montreal last night, sixteen to eight at one point. In the, in the first period, about halfway through the first period, the shots ended up 48-29, which meant, it meant the Jets had 21 shots in about two and a half periods of play. It, it, just, all the, it just came to a grinding halt. They got off to a pretty good start. They had a goal, goal called back on a offside. I, I don't know. I just uh, put me in a really bad mood. <laughs> I went to sleep angry. I woke up in the middle of the night angry when I check the score to see how it played out because I had to go to bed and at 4-1 I was done and it ends up 6-2 to two. and I got up Jackie fell asleep on the couch she came upstairs and she goes how are you doing I, I, don't talk to me right now I'm so upset about how this game went last night yeah I, I had a laugh too because Jay Richardson who is the he does he's the PA guy at uh, the Bell MTS place for the Winnipeg Jets. He works down the hall at Power 97, looking at his Instagram, and he took a picture of the fans down below as the, the, before the game started, and it was just mostly red jerseys. Oh, yes. And his caption was simply, disgusting. <laughs> so I had a good laugh at that. Hey, speaking of Instagram, by the way, if you don't follow us, follow us at 680CJOB. And if you could do me, if, I would love it if you would follow each of us individually as well, at GMACWPG. 
and at Brett McGarry. I'm at 999 followers. I'd love to crack that thousand mark. Oh, Just nice. Ni- nice round number. I actually did crack it temporarily. Well, what what did you do to turn someone off? Nothing. It just, it, it's, it's, it's weird because what happens on Instagram is people will follow you yeah. to get more followers and oh. then they will unfollow you. Like you can download apps that will automatically like you seek out various hashtags and they'll follow you and then you follow them back and then they just drop you a week later. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it's kind of sneaky. I that's think it's, disingenuous, it's sneaky. Isn't it? A lot of businesses uh, do it. So I think that's what happens. Sometimes I get followed by various businesses and they'll follow them back and then a week later they'll just drop off. Uh, so, but yeah, would love you if you would follow us on Instagram just for fun. And I apologize if you've asked to follow me on Instagram and I haven't allowed you to do that. Yeah. I just kind of stumble upon that every now and again. Oh, you have 20 requests. I don't really know how to do it. <laughs> Greg is awesome on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> He's a great follow on Twitter at GMACWPG. I'm on the Twitters too, but uh, I don't use that as much. Well, if you're if you're pleading or making a plea for followers on Instagram, I'll make a plea for followers on Twitter because I think I'm about 30 short of 3,000. Oh, sweet. So I'd like to get to 3,000 if I could by the end of the year. So GMAC Winnipeg, G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. Well, maybe that'll be our Christmas Eve goal for by 10 a.m. If we can get GMAC WPG on Twitter to 3,000 and if we can get me on Instagram to 1,000, maybe just a little bit over that. That'd be great. That'll be fun. That'd be very fun. Christmas Eve means dinners for many. Do you have dinner today? Oh yeah. There'll be a lot of food at uh, mom and dad's today. Okay. Yeah. I'm full just thinking about it. It's like, we'll have this big full meal. This is your uh, your in-laws? Yes. And it's like endless food as soon as we walk in the door. Nice. Yes. It's endless snacks. How about for you? Will you be eating a plenty tonight? Yeah. I'm going to my dad's and my sister says she's making dinner. So I feel like I need to make some sort of a contribution. Normally I've, I've like planned out at least bringing a dessert or something. I think last year I brought a tortiere. From a place on, uh, what was it called? Molly's Meat Pies on um, Provence, just at uh, Des Murons. There's okay. a, there's a uh, pie, pl- a meat pie place in there. I think it's called Molly's Meat Pies. It sounds that sounds right. Name is dry. Sounds familiar. Yeah. So, but I, I brought because uh, my mom used to make great tortier, so uh, meat pie. So I would went and picked one up, but I didn't do that this year because I forgot. Well, you had in your possession. I don't know what you did with them. Those uh, delightful Generay cakes, desserts. The macarons. The macarons. You could take those or have you consumed them already? Uh, most of them are gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, I, I, left, they're, I think there's three left in the fridge. So, yeah. Right. Going to my dad's tonight. We'll have dinner and uh, likely watch Die Hard because that's, that seems to have become the tradition over okay. the years because it is the greatest Christmas movie <laughs> of all time. Don't that, at me on Twitter. That's Brett McGarry's stand on that. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know why I said that because that argument comes up every year. And, I know it and does. It's kind of getting, I'm sort of getting tired of it. Bruce Willis says definitively it is... He says it's not, not a, Christmas a Christmas movie. movie. It's a Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> okay, well, that's Bruce Willis yeah. marketing Bruce Willis, though, right? Uh, but I think the filmmakers... Uh, are, I can't remember which filmmaker involved said it is a Christmas movie. Of course it is. It takes place on Christmas Eve, right? So you've got dinner tonight. Yep. Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. At least three different meals tomorrow. 
Like out and about? Uh, two out and about. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, and then Boxing Day? Boxing Day, yeah, at least one, oh. if not two stops on Boxing Day. So, so it's oh. going to be a, a, a fun but exhausting few days. For yes, you. I'm looking forward to the 27th to sort of chill. <laughs> oh, wait, no, we have people coming over to our house. <laughs> Never mind. Maybe it'll just be, it would be just easier just to work yeah. over the holidays. But I'll be back on Monday. So. Yeah. That's the that's kind of the interesting contrast of the the Christmas holidays, right? Like it's fun, but by the end of it, you just need that. Like that's why New Year's Day is always such a welcome relief, just to sit down and do nothing. No question about it. I, I'm with you on that one. I, I love getting together, and I love the I love the camaraderie, and I love the celebration. I love the food, but that. At some point, it does become a little bit too much. You wish you could have just a little bit of a longer nap, a longer sleep in, and an earlier night to bed. Hey, Kevin, the garbage man texted us this morning. Yes. Good morning, Greg and Brad. Hope you guys have a safe and a Merry Christmas to you and your families. To you as well, Kevin, the garbage man, and to all of you as well, a Merry Christmas as we get ready for Christmas Eve on the start. Without further ado, here is one Mr. Kelly Moore with a special edition of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Twas the last day before Christmas, and over at IG Field, Blue Bomber fans were scooping up merch. It was still a big deal. The incredible buzz had not yet died down from the Grey Cup victory one month ago in Cowtown. Tukes and jerseys were placed on the shelves with the greatest of care, along with t-shirts and footballs and blue and gold hair. The 29-year drought had been stopped in its tracks with a 33-12 win over the favored Ticats. Caleros threw with precision. Harris led the ground attack. Jefferson and Jeffcoat with yet another quarterback sack. Mike O'Shea stood so proudly on the sidelines at McMahon as his troops shone so brightly again and again. On Alexander, on Big Hill, and Adams, and Rose, we'll keep them on their heels while we play on our toes. Now Taylor and Maston and Medlock and Sales, let's play the right way, be tough as nails. Dembski and Wolotarski keep moving those sticks. Hardrick and Bryant don't fall for their tricks. With the game plan Lapo and Richie Hall had made, it was pretty much guaranteed there'd be a shower of Gatorade. A parade it did follow with Strevler bare-chested in his coat as he shared beer after beer from the perch of his float. The party continued with a rally at the forks and the bubbly did flow with the popping of corks. A Friday night social and then a come and go day, Bomber Faithful continued to flock down Grey Cup Championship way. Me and my Blue Bomber hoodie the wife and her new era cap. We finally agreed we were due for a nap. The experience, while joyous, was also unnerving, so we put on a podcast with highlights of Bob Irving. We want to make sure we have energy aplenty for Winnipeg's title defense in 2020. So in closing the book on what has been a memorable year, Wade Miller reminds you, go buy some gear. Because every little bit helps with that old bottom line when there is a number one quarterback to sign. As Wade walked out of the Bombers store with his checkbook held tight, he said Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. 
Kelly Moore is the master wordsmith around here. Mm-hmm. Once again on full display with a magnificent rendition of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Mackling and McGarry, Jeff Forte, our technical producer, having problems with his computer on Christmas Eve. That's okay. It's Christmas Eve. But this is a, this is a headline that made Greg and I laugh this morning. It's from the Daily Mail. <laughs> Mum, spelled M-U-M. That's how I spelt my mum. Mum is slammed for $8 Kmart alternative to Christmas wrapping paper with people calling it boring and pointless. It's, a, as she describes, a sustainable solution to single-use wrapping, and she calls it waste-free Christmas wrapping. What is uh, she doing here, Greg? Well, um, she's basically using Rubbermaid containers <laughs> as uh, her wrapping paper. So uh, as someone who's a big fan of Rubbermaid containers, I have... A couple of dozen full of treasures in my basement. Yeah, uh, Jackie calls it something else. I call them treasures. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm in support of this. Really? Well, to a certain extent, it's really just a giant stocking, isn't it? Well, the, if you really look at it, the accusation is that it's removing the magic of Christmas because God. the kids don't get to unwrap a gift. So we wanted to know what you guys thought. Jeff Braun, what do you think of this? I remember when I was a kid, I never gave two hoots what the present came in so long as I got the present. Really? Yep. I love They could put it in the Sears bag and it would have been fine. No, I love wrapping, you know, just unwrapping and, you know, getting in there. Now, were, were you, uh, did, did you open the gifts sort of in a gentle fashion, or were you like a Tasmanian devil? Oh, no, I was Tasmanian all the way. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the fun yeah. stuff. What about you, Kelly? What do you think of this? You know, I remember uh, probably either the first or second year we were married, and my wife's older brother and his wife and their two kids came to our place for Christmas, and they did the Forche Tasmanian devil uh, routine. And my wife and I both looked at each other. We didn't say anything in front of them, but we said, our kids will never do that. And and I remember when, when we were uh, young, it was always a big deal. You you watched everybody open their presents. You remembered yes. who gave you that gift. Yes. Uh, whereas th- with what happened at our place that, that particular morning, there was no way you'd remember who gave you the gift or... You know, it was just open throw, open throw. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was it was not cool. So well, okay, yeah. well, well, when at least when I open up my gift, I'd go and give him a hug. Oh, well, that's <laughs> a, Jeff, well, you're that's such a, a good I, boy. I still you do will that. never get a gift from me. I think. Loren <laughs> <laughs> insists you secretly like Ugh. the hugs. Jeff. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I know when we were growing up, we had to take the tag off. We had to read it out loud of who the gift was from, and we had to then take the tag off the gift, and we opened it. Then you put the tag back on the box for when you put everything back under the tree mm-hmm. for eventual collection. But it had to be on display yeah. for a certain amount of time when Christmas dinner was having <laughs> kind of a r- strange ritual, I always thought. Every family's got their little things. But right? that was ours. Yeah. But yeah, we, we would do the same. We use a tote in the middle of the, the floor, though, to put all the wrapping in there. So okay. That, yeah. How about the people who save the wrapping paper? You no. must have had somebody in your life yeah. over the years who saved the wrapping paper. And, of course, those Eaton's and the Bay boxes, those oh, yeah. were like gold. You did not trash those. Yeah. Those yeah. are reusable year after year well, after year. don't trash boxes because you always need a box. Like You always get a gift that you don't know how to 
fit it. You can't wrap it. You know, you need to put it in a box to wrap it. Yeah. We always had. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. We always had the thing where we'd have spent half an hour unwrapping gifts and it was everything was fine. And then my mother, my sister and myself would be like relaxing and enjoying it. And my dad's just gets the big garbage bag and starts scooping up all the paper. Yes. And and the next thing you know, it's like, wait, where did this go? I I thought I got this. Where is it? Oh, and it's got it's in the garbage bag with the paper. Oh no! So you just have to go digging through that to find the, uh-huh. the gifts that he overzealously scooped into the bag. I think when I was a kid, I loved unwrapping the gift. There's just something so satisfying about tearing open the gift and getting access to it. But my mom eventually went to these reusable boxes, much like this Australian mom, but she didn't use rubber-made tubs. They were they were Christmas-themed boxes that would, that would stack inside each other like the Russian dolls, and she had used fancy ribbon. So they were still, It's the presentation was still very nice, and we used those for well over a decade. So th- I think this mom is on the right track, but I would agree that her idea is boring like at least put some flair into it don't just use an ugly rubbermaid container she spray painted them christmas colors I to, to at least get in the festive mood <laughs> no yeah, maybe you could put it what if she put a bow on it just like one of those yeah. sticky bows no yeah, you no. can put a creative name tag on there too yeah, there might be like an asterisk involved just with the australianness of it all right because they tend to, they got some different stuff going on down in australia that that's a good point. north america has so like maybe those things are like highly regarded down there or something is just <laughs> the peak of uh, you're losing steam here Bob. fashion and style or something I don't know my aunt my auntie Pat she was uh, the kind of person who I don't, I don't know if she reused wrapping paper but she never wanted to damage the wrapping paper oh it's so nicely wrapped and yes she would very gingerly try to remove the tape and open it and I remember once when I was a kid I actually tore a present out of her hand because I was so impatient and I unwrapped it for her <laughs> how did that go over uh, I, don't, I don't think my parents were too happy. I think <laughs> my auntie Pat was too too kind and sweet a woman to say anything. And you yeah. also you have to save the bows. You always have to save yep. the bows and the tissue paper. Yeah, the tissue paper. Tissue yeah. paper is so expensive. Yeah. Yeah, you save that in the bows. But I mean, you know, it's all wrinkled up anyway, so it doesn't matter from you, year to year. Trust me, you don't know anybody that. Uh, Secretly irons tissue paper to reuse oh, it. No, no. Oh yes, oh, you do. Sneaky. You've just never seen them do it. Yes, indeed. Breakfast with the Bombers. It's brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca. A better place for you. This is sort of your idea, Brett McGarry. Yeah, I suggested that we uh, talk to John Rush, who, alongside fellow teammate Thomas Miles was in the Royal Winnipeg Ballet's Nutcracker last night, and he's been very busy in the community in recent weeks, so we figured we'd check in with John. So, Mr. Rush, good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning to you guys. It's uh, awesome to be on the show. Well, we, we we saw that you were in Nutcracker, and I know that that's a long-standing tradition where members of the various members of the community get to have sort of guest performances. Many Blue Bombers have taken part. Uh, so I, I I saw your pictures on social media of your getting ready. The RWB, in fact, posted pictures of you guys in training. So I guess before you, we ask you about last night's performance, how much training did you have to do for this? Uh, so we only had to do... Um, one class and one rehearsal. They didn't, they weren't giving us like a huge role or anything like that. It was just uh, just like a little role where we were kind of like in the background and we had to do one lift with one ballerina. So it wasn't a, a crazy amount of prep work, but uh, 
I was still pretty stressed about it nonetheless. <laughs> well, you're getting on stage in front of over 2,000 people. There are expectations, right? This is one of the great well, yeah. ballets on the planet and their signature work, so to speak. So, yeah, I, I could see where you could have a little pressure being felt there, John. So how did it go yeah. overall? I uh, I mean, everyone, uh, first and foremost, I didn't draw the ballerina. Okay, that's so, good. <laughs> you know, you know I, I that was my main goal is just, I just didn't want to end up on one of those, you know, fail compilations on YouTube being like, oh, look at this idiot that dropped the ballerina. So that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, everyone else said it, it went very well. And we actually at uh, one point got to bring the, the Grey Cup out on stage. And, oh, um, you know, the crowd, yeah, it, the, the crowd like cheered, which I thought was pretty cool because I, I, I don't think uh, that typically really happens in the middle of a ballet performance. Uh, you know, the crowd kind of went crazy for it. So, um, it, it was it was a really cool experience. I had a lot of fun. And was it just the one performance you guys were in? Yeah, yeah. So we're just doing the the one performance. They had uh, some other people. They actually had a guy propose during the performance last night as well, which was pretty uh, which was pretty cool to watch. Um, but they they actually talked about trying to get us back out for a couple more, maybe Moulin Rouge next. Oh, oh, wow. Fantastic. Is there any yeah. way? Now, if anybody follows you on social media or knows what you're up to in the community at all, they'll know that you have Bone, your your beautiful dog in tow in a, a lot of cases. Maybe there's a way to get Bone apart yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah that would uh, – a couple of people – uh, were messaging me about it. They're like, "Oh, we thought that uh, Bone was going to be the guest, uh, the guest performance, not the Grey Cup." And I'm just like, "That would be pretty funny, but I think Bone might be a bit of a liability out there." What kind of dog is Bone? He's a, uh, a Great Pyrenees. And how much does he weigh? Uh, we just got him weighed at the vet the other day, and he's 150 pounds. <laughs> and uh, she said, "Yeah." She said uh, that he's still growing, so. Oh, my word. Well, happy anniversary, because I think uh, it's roughly a year yeah. since you and Bone uh, found one another, right? Yeah, no, exactly. So it's uh, it's been a, it's been a crazy year, but it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, so I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at your social media, I see uh, one of the things that uh, you have been involved with in the community. Uh, there's a, a wonderful picture you've got here with you and Thomas Miles holding the Grey Cup, and there is a tiny little puppy dog sitting in the yes. Grey Cup. What is the story there? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I obviously adopted Bone, and uh, I have a huge, uh, I have a huge kind of soft spot in my heart for rescue dogs, and Thomas, Thomas does as well. So we, uh, we volunteer quite a bit at the Humane Society, and the other day we had um, we, we uh, had signed the Grey Cup out to go visit a couple of schools, and uh, between school visits we actually had an hour to kill so we're just like hey do you want to bring it to the humane society and she's like yeah let's do it like that'd be awesome so we uh we called winnipeg up uh like the blue bombers front office and we're just like hey we're gonna bring it to the front o- or uh to the humane society and they're like that's an awesome idea we're gonna send our videographer out so um we showed up the, the videographer showed up and then the humane society was pumped so they were just like can we like bring out dogs and and like put them beside it and like kind of thing we're just like yeah we were kind of hoping to put a puppy in it <laughs> so, they were, they, <laughs> so they they loved it and uh you know we we uh helped get a couple couple of dogs adopted and uh you know like that's some, that's what like we wanted we wanted to like just kind of bring bring some more exposure to the humane society help the dogs get adopted especially especially the big like long-term ones so 
so it was a lot of fun. That was a, that was a really cool experience. Well, you know, the CFL is such a small family to a great extent. When I was in Calgary for a Grey Cup, I actually met a, a, a woman who's a, st- a stampeder, a Thai cat fan, but she worked in okay. Guelph. She worked in Guelph, and, and, and I think she knew you quite well, in fact. And, and so it just highlighted the fact for me, the fact that the CFL family is so tight and it goes beyond the field. The players are obviously uh, know one another, but the fans are, there's a relationship there. How's it been in the days after the gray cup? Is it everything you imagined it would be John? Honestly, it's, it's so much more than I ever could have imagined. Like from just like the reception at the airport, like here's a, here's a quick little story. So, when we when we left for the Grey Cup, we were getting on our charter plane. There was one dad and his daughter at the airport, kind of just like behind the fence, going like, "Yeah, go Bombers!" You know, cheering us on. We're all kind of like, "Oh yeah, like hey, thanks, thanks for coming." Like, there's like one guy, just one guy and his daughter. So when we when we flew back, and they went onto the intercom as we were landing, they're like, "Hey guys, there's some fans here at the airport that want to, you know, like say hi, and just you know, just like sign some autographs and." You know, just say hi. We're just like, oh yeah, no problem. Like whatever. So when you walk into the airport and there's over like I think three thousand fans there. There's like a band. And we're like, oh my god, like what is, what is happening right now? And then you know, obviously the parade happened, and that was just pure insanity as well. Like I don't think any of us could have really expected this. Like I thought it was going to be you know amazing, but you know Winnipeg and its fans have just gone like above and beyond it's it's been just the craziest experiences of my life and it's been it's been truly amazing yeah well i mean you get it's 29 years of pent-up celebration waiting to happen and you know in the case of our technical producer for example jeff forte he hasn't been alive long enough like he how old are you forte 27 28. 28. So he never saw a Grey Cup champion. So this is, uh, (laughs) Greg mentioned it earlier, you guys are forging a new generation of Bomber fans, and you've rekindled old generations of Bomber fans with the the Grey Cup victory. Yeah, yeah. No, we've been, that's what, you know, it's kind of all about is kind of bringing the community together, right? So we're, uh, we're pretty happy we could do that for Winnipeg. Well, I know that uh, lots of fans out there feeling a connection with you guys and uh, especially the players that stick around full-time in the city. Are, are you getting away? Or are, you, are you going back home at all for Christmas, John, or, or are you hunkering down here in, uh, in Winnipeg? Uh, so I'm actually staying until just a little bit after Christmas, and then uh, I'm doing the drive back. I'm going to drive back with Bone. And uh, so I'm going to drive back all the way to Niagara Falls. It's going to be about 23 hours. And then I'm going to pick up my brother's dog in Niagara Falls and drive all the way to Lethbridge and uh, drop him off in Lethbridge for him and then drive back to Winnipeg. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be uh, quite the road trip. (laughs) What kind of vehicle are you driving uh, in this scenario? I have have a nice uh, Hyundai Santa Fe XL. I got like... I got the XL versions. It's like a seven seater that like all fold down. So I can fit like lots of dogs in the back. I, I literally bought the car for dogs. So. 
Yeah. Oh, John, this is great stuff. Hey, all the best uh, to you and yours on uh, this Christmas Eve. We really appreciate not only you taking time with us this morning, but uh, celebrating with the city at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet at the Nutcracker last night. Uh, you're a special guy, and uh, we appreciate your contributions uh, to the community, and congratulations on the Great Cup one more time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Have a Merry Christmas, guys. You too, John. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us this morning. And make sure you follow him on Instagram, JohnRush5, where you can see his various exploits with his dog, Bone. And you'll see why he had to buy a California king if you look at his story. Family gatherings at Christmas time can be tricky because you might see people you only see once a year and you might not like them. That's true. So we wanted to figure out how to navigate that. <laughs> and we've called upon our old friend Carolyn Clausen from Connexus Counseling, whom we used to speak to every Thursday afternoon at 2.30. And now Hal Anderson Afternoons has that pleasure and privilege. And since we're not he won't be on the air on Thursday. We stole you for this week, Carolyn. I am so glad to be with you guys even just for this morning. It's so great to see you. We miss you very much. Oh, I miss you guys too, for sure. But it's uh, great to reconnect with you. And that's sort of the story of the season, right? Uh, People that we're very, very close to, uh, we get to see them a lot of times this time of year. And then there are others that we've been close to that we don't get to see. And so there's that back and forth and that, that, that. The yin and the yang of Christmas, right? There it is, the yin and the yang. (laughs) We looked it up to make sure that it was the yin and the yang, because a lot of people say yin and yang, yin and yang, yin and yang. And uh, the push-pull, that whole idea that uh, there's certain things we're craving but maybe not getting, and that's the dichotomy sometimes of that Christmas gathering, as Brett pointed out, that for as happy as we might be to see one person in the room, there might be another person in the room, you're going, oh boy, I'm going to have to deal with that. One for it's three true, or four right? hours, right? It's often kind of Christmas Eve at noon, regular life stops and then family gathering season begins. And a lot of people will race from one family gathering to the next, trying to try see if they can make everybody happy, probably inevitably in disappointing people. And some people love the fact that life stops and there's no nothing to do but snowmobile with people that you haven't seen and love to be with. And other people are kind of rolling their eyes and getting ready to grit their teeth to be with people that there's a reason why they don't see them for, for many months of the year. And now they're expected to be with them and look like they're having a good time, even though they much rather be just anywhere else. So what do you do then if you have to go to a gathering like that where you don't really want to be there or there's someone there you don't want to see? But you have to put on a happy face. How do, how do you, what do you do? Well, who says you have to put on a happy face, right? I think people, sometimes we sort of have these expectations of if I have to go, and sometimes I'll ask people, why do you have to go, right? What are the rules that say you have to be there? And what I encourage people to do is to figure out what's right, what's right for them in light of their values. And so if their values may say I should go put in an appearance, but maybe you don't have to be there for the full length of time. And if you know that it's going to be hard, can you ask someone you're going with, can you have my back so that I don't have to be alone with this uncle because he and I have a history, right? That you can find a way to make a bad situation a little less worse. And there are some people that say, I'm going to choose to be with people who are like family to me, but are family that I've chosen because they're good friends and they're supportive and they have my back and they 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 have the role of family so much better than my actual family. And there's people that choose to make that transition. And I think sometimes that's the right thing to do. 
So much of this part of the year is that um, dichotomy of what's good for me versus what's good for everyone else. Financially, we do it. We stretch (laughs) ourselves because we want to get somebody else in our lives, that perfect gift. And we might not necessarily be able to afford it, but we find a way to do it, whether it's on credit or otherwise. And then are we doing that, uh, putting that... um, Are we putting ourselves on emotional credit card when it comes to going to those family gatherings that we feel obligated to? Because I was listening to you saying this whole idea of about inevitably we're not going to make everyone happy. We might make everyone else happy in this exercise this time of year. And the one person left standing is yourself. And maybe you're the only one that's unhappy because you've you've had to do all this for others. Truly, right? I think... Uh, we can run our tanks too empty, and then we may not even be good for the people that we're visiting at that very last family gathering. I think sometimes people think that somehow at Christmas, kids aren't supposed to need naps that, as we're rushing them from one family gathering to the next, and you've got these exhausted children, and we expect them to be merry and bright, and they're just done. Um, that I think so many of us are, well, we are run by that feeling of shame, that feeling of what will people think. And so there's often this expectation we put on ourselves as we have to do this and we have to do that because what will people think? And the truth is, is that when we act outside of our values to try to make other people think that we're good enough, it pulls us out of the best of who we are and we're not able to dial in and be authentically who we are. And I, I just think that people, like often you know, what's the right thing to do? It's not all about me where I'm going to do just whatever I want because that doesn't align with my values. I like to be with people and I like to enjoy the people that are my family, even if sometimes there might be some problems, right? And so I'm going to show up, but I'm going to do it in a certain way. Um, I'm an introvert. And so one of the things that I do often when I go to family gathering is I'll bring an activity and I have a 10-year-old niece who's much younger than the rest and we'll go off to a corner and we'll, we'll, do a craft for an hour and that is a way that it feels good and I'm enjoying myself, but I'm doing it in a way that works for me. Text message from Denny Mm. earlier this morning who says, I know so many people who upon finding an empty spot in their calendar, scramble to fill it with some sort of activity. Conversely, I will, at every reasonable opportunity, cancel any plan of any kind, (laughs) freeing up a spot in the calendar in favor of doing as little as possible, as slowly as possible. Cats are good life coaches. Keep your (laughs) belly full and nap as much as you possibly can. Well, and is it, I always, when I was a single mom for years, I would sort of wait to get to like Christmas Eve at four o'clock and that was the finish line. And then I would sort of collapse. And the fact that my kids would be going to their dads for a while and I would have a chance for a nap and I would be able to do nothing and not get farther behind because the rest of the world had also stopped. That was the best part of Christmas for me at that point, because this season is really rough. People are tired, stressed, um, often forced to spend time with people they don't want to spend time with. It can be really difficult. Um, And that's unfortunate because often Christmases can be a time for restoration and rejuvenation too. Yeah, and uh, we were talking with Adam Milne, our good friend, who's a peer support advocate, mental health advocate, Mm. yesterday about the difficult times. And I mentioned that Boxing Day for my mom was, you could almost set your watch by it. We didn't know at the time, but now in retrospect, we realize it was her, it was her depression was finally catching up to her because uh-huh. all through the, the weeks leading up to Christmas, she was so busy making things perfect for everyone else. But Chris, Boxing Day afternoon, she'd be on that couch sometimes for days after uh-huh. because she was spent emotionally and everything would catch up to her. Sure. And so 
if you if you know that you're battling something like that, that's one thing. If you don't, it's another altogether. But if you know that you're having difficulty and that's part of who you are, do you have some advice in terms of of keeping that um, ultimate potential crash, holding it at bay somewhat? Well, I think it's uh, it's a little late now to talk about before Christmas what to do, but sure. I think you're right. Right, if you are so busy and you get to the finish line and then you collapse. Uh, that's not such a good thing. Um, it's a good idea to pace yourself. There's a lot of people that find Christmas hard because they remember Christmas's past when somebody was still alive or when their family was still together. So Christmas can be really touch on a lot of sadness. And what I encourage people to do is if you find yourself sad and you find yourself in a dark spot, when people invite you over, go. You don't have to go for a long time. You don't have to be the life of the party, but let yourself be with people because um, emotionally that's what we need is to be with other people in a way that's good for us, allow people to see who we are, to enjoy us and for us to enjoy. And often you feel like it's dark, it's cold, I don't want to go. Just go for a little while, let yourself leave early if you need to, but go, be with people. Um, don't let yourself hide away, pull away, um, and and not get off that couch. It's getting off the couch as hard as it is to be with somebody that, uh, in the end, you'll say that was good for me, even though I didn't want to go. Greg, you re- mentioned it's been how, sorry seventeen years now since you lost your mom. Yeah, this will be our eighteenth Christmas mm-hmm. without my mom, and it's the first time that I actually was close to excited about decorating the Christmas tree because my mom did love Christmas so much. And so it was, it was a difficult balance to strike that idea of getting excited for Christmas. Well, I know how much my mom would have loved to been here to see my boys growing up, et cetera. But this year I I was able to push that aside somehow. And then Brett, you're kind of entering, you've entered that, uh, no mom club in the last year and that, and that makes it tough. Yeah, my mom died last November and uh, so the last year's Christmas was weird uh, yeah. but this year it's just, I, I feel empty, like I haven't enjoyed the season at all and because I, I love Christmas but my mom is what made it so special and without her I just don't care and I feel almost guilty about that. So I don't really know how to, you know, I've, I've forced myself to put up my Christmas trees. I've got these two little ones. And and I, is that the key, forcing yourself to just do it? Well, I think it's figuring out what is right for Brett, right? If Brett thinks, well, it's actually, even though I don't want to put them up, if I put them up, I will feel better, then I'm going to find a way to do that. And sometimes it's a matter of, I, it, it's not the right thing to do, and I'm going to give myself permission to not do that. I think you're recognizing, Brett, that you're in that space where last Christmas everybody had, you know, was would have been very aware that it's okay that you're off your game, you know, it's just so fresh. And now a year later people think, oh, he should be past this, and you're so clearly not, right? Why would you be? You're so aware that at Christmas – this, this would be happening or this should be happening or I wish it was she was here to do this. And Christmas is an off, a, such a marker time. Um, Mark Schultz, I posted a, a blog that I had written a couple of years ago on my Facebook yesterday and he writes a song um, and there's a, a, a lyric there that says, there's just a million little memories that remind me you're not here. It's just a different kind of Christmas this year. That this Christmas is a time where you remember, this is what my mom would have done and this is what she would have done. Um, and this is how it's supposed to go, and we can't do these traditions because it's not the same as it has been. And there, it, it evokes so much sadness for so many people, and I think 
it's really important to give yourself permission to honor um, those that are gone and the memories and the love that you have and the, the 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 person that you are because of all those Christmas memories that you had with your moms. Um, I think it's it's beautiful, even as it's hauntingly sad. And then I think about my grandpa who we had lots of Christmases with. And my grandpa didn't even really like Christmas all that much. But, you know, the Christmas dinner or the first year without him, it's not the same. None of our family gatherings are the same. But there's less sadness around that beca- surrounding that because of how much he got to do. He lived into his mm-hmm. 93rd year, right? Okay. And so because my mom was so young and, and your mom was so young, Brett, I think it's 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 um, the focus tends to be on what was lost versus what we had Christmas is absolutely a time to grieve, to remember those that we wish could be with us because all those Hallmark moments that you see and you, you we watch families be together and all the commercials Not talk about... Not applicable to me anymore, okay, right? Yeah, and it's just sort of like, I can't have that. And there's often it often makes people even angry, right? Like other people get to be with their families, with the people that are really important to them, and I don't. It's such a time of sadness. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that you are sad, that you don't have that Christmas spirit. Um, And what I encouraged on Facebook yesterday was still go, just let people know you're not going to be the life of the party, that you don't have it in you to be the same, but you're still going to show up because uh, I think it's better to be with people when you're sad than to be alone when you're sad. Carolyn Clausen from Conexus Counseling. You can get more from her website, conexuscounseling.ca. That's spelled C-O-N-E-X-U-S. Carolyn, what a pleasure to have you on our show again. We miss you. So great to be with you guys. Thanks for inviting me in. Thanks, Carolyn. Right now, we want to revisit a story that we told you about yesterday and uh, Sunday evening after that shooting in Osborne Village at the subway at River and Osborne, which happened overnight Saturday into Sunday at around 2 a.m. with a massive police presence. Just it looked like dozens of police cars descending upon the region. So with more on this, we're joined now by Brian Timmerman, who is the executive director of Osborne Village Biz. Brian, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Hey, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate the time. And we wanted to talk to you uh, because, you know, we heard from residents in the area who are rattled. We heard from business owners in the area who are rattled. And and the sentiment seemed to be that things are getting worse in Osborne Village. What would you say to that? I would say that uh, the type of incident that happened at the uh, subway store there is uh, not just in a, a lone act, uh, over, especially over weekends. Um, there's there's been other shootings and other violent crimes that occur elsewhere in the city. And this one happened to be in Osborne village. And what happens is what the people lived on there have this level of safety, feeling secure. This type of incident tends to unsettle people questioning, you know, is where I live, is it still safe and things like that. And uh, the nice thing is if there is a silver line to this, uh, type of uh, incident is that we still have a much lower incidence of uh, violent crimes and, and firearms than uh, a lot of other jurisdictions. Um, so the city doesn't immediately become unsafe because of one incident. 
And and indeed, we're not saying that uh, we we understand mm-hmm. that shootings and incidents happen all throughout the city. But this is a, a high pro, a high traffic area. Uh, you may you maybe you've never been to that subway, but I think most Winnipeggers probably know that spot. And also, just the the, the sheer volume of people who live in Osborne Village. It's such a heavily dense or densely populated area. A ton of people live in Osborne Village, so this crime while maybe didn't touch most of those residents, still affects a lot of people. Oh, it definitely does. It does. It, it is unsettling. Um, I was just hired in June. One of the things that I made a commitment to was to talk to the businesses, and which I did, about how they, you know, especially ones that have been there for uh, some in 25, 30 years, uh, I kind of, to read the temperature of the room, I visited the businesses. How do you feel? Has the area changed? Um, they didn't feel unsafe as far as uh the firearm you know incident uh severe uh, like uh assaults and things like that they didn't feel un- uneasy about that they, they did say though the change in the area um for the most part uh, is to use one shop owner's words there's more sketchy people it doesn't mean that the sketchy people they're seeing because and that's their words um will do anything uh, but that is what they have seen an increase in. Brian, have there been other changes in the village over the last several years? I know there's been a, a, a kind of a revolving door with regard to some of the tenants and some of the businesses, mm-hmm. and, and many businesses are in fact staying in the village but just moving to different locations. Other Others are leaving altogether, and then you're getting brand new. So, the, so it's a, a constant uh, state of flux to a great extent. But in terms of policing, have you seen a change there as well, Brian? Uh, that as far, especially during the uh, like the overnight hours, I, I, I'm not really uh, able to com- comment to that uh, simply because I don't know. <laughs> and I have not seen uh, for myself an increase in patrols. That doesn't mean there haven't been. And I have called the police on occasion for incidents, um, but it was more for like nuisance type behaviors. Uh, for instance, the people living under the bridge, uh, panhandlers, it's those type of things that, if you were to ask somebody that lives in the village, what's your kind of your number one gripe? Uh, usually it'll, it leads to parking or uh, nuisance type behavior, number of drunks in the area, uh, panhandlers, things like that. Um, very rarely, if I, I can't even remember in the last couple of years, uh, will somebody say, I'm scared to do business here because it's dangerous. So you say business owners have not said that? No, they haven't. Uh, a lot of cases, the, the, uh, from what I'm hearing is um, when some of the people, when their leases are up, uh, you know, as, as with anything, things go up. And uh, I'm hearing from some people in the, in the village that uh, what's stopping them from staying in some cases, not all, is uh, that the uh, lease, leases are uh, increasing quite a bit. So that's what's kind of making it harder for them to do business and stay in the exchange, uh, sorry, in the Osborne Village um, because of rising uh, leasing costs. Well, and that and that's typically indicative of a successful place to do business if 
if yeah. property owners feel they can get more rent, uh, clearly they're not going to sacrifice uh, a current tenant uh, for one that doesn't exist yet. So that is, uh, I guess that's a catch-22, isn't it, Brian? Because there's obviously some optimism in terms of the property owners if they feel that they, they are entitled to a, a rent increase because they would prefer not to have those storefronts empty for any amount of time at all. I could not agree with you more that you are bang on as far as that's concerned. And you've seen it in other areas. The exchange, which was in the early 80s, late 70s, kind of not the best place to go. And then artists started moving in there. And then more demand for services were occurring. Building owners were then feeling, well, we can raise the rents. It's much like Osborne Village. But Osborne Village has always been a unique and uh, I, I call it the most livable community in the city. Because really, you, you could be living in Osborne Village and take care of every need, whether it's liquor, uh, major grocery store, things like that. I like how you put liquor as your first priority there, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from a resident of yeah. Osborne Village. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, well, that's one of the reasons why I like living in Osborne Village, because I can walk to the grocery Ooh. store, I can walk to the liquor mart, I can walk to Shoppers Drug Mart, I can walk to yeah. the pizza place if I want. Uh, everything mm-hmm. that I need is within walking distance and a short walk at that. And just uh, one of the, w- before we let you go here, Brian, yeah. the old Basil's restaurant, which has been inhabited mm-hmm. by... Uh, most recently, it was Pete's Place, which sadly didn't last all that long, and Ward One, and the Black Bird, I think, is what it was called. And it, it, it keeps failing. And I, but I see that there is there are signs on the building that say now upgrading. So, is there a new tenant going into that spot? Uh, I, I got to say, I don't know who is going in there. I, I know which building you're talking about. I have no idea what's happening inside the building, though. Okay. Sorry to catch you off guard. No, I was just wondering if you oh, do no, off the top of that's your head. No problem. Yeah. Uh, no. Brian Timmerman, Executive Director of Osborne Village Biz, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Brian, thank you very much for the time. Appreciate it, sir. You're welcome, and the best of the season to everyone. To you, too. Thank you very much. 915 on 680 CJOB. He's, he's got the same priorities as me, I guess, there, Greg. So. Hey, L- Osborne L-O-L. Village, you've you got lots of options, man. Yeah. It's a fun place. I like it. But, but I. I you know, when we moved downtown to 201 Portage, there's a part of me that thought, would I, well, should I just walk to work? But you got to cross the bridge at 3.30 in the morning. No. That's not happening, right? No, not on foot. Nope. I would not be comfortable on that. Maybe if I had like a, a unicycle or something. <laughs> I haven't seen the unicycle guy in a while. Yeah, I, 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 I saw the unicycle guy, I think, a couple of months ago. So I'm perusing through Instagram last night. And by the way, thanks to those, we, we put out the call earlier this show. Greg wants to hit 3,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, how many? You were like 30 shy, I think, Greg? Yeah, I think I, uh, I don't know. I got like 15 follows on them. I'm still 20-something shy. Here, okay. So. so, and I was looking to, to get over 1,000 followers on Instagram, and I got a handful. So thank you for helping me crack that barrier, although it's a paltry number compared to the 44.5 thousand followers from our friends at Third and Bird. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. What a success story on so many levels. I like to emulate the, the things that they've been doing uh, over the years, and, uh, well... 
there's some changes coming. Yeah, so if, if, for those who are unfamiliar, Third and Bird, it's a market uh, that it takes place twice a year. The big ones, at least, take place twice a year, Hudson's Bay downtown in the basement. And it's just full of local vendors, local creators, local makers, and they just you can get your hands on everything, art, clothes, food, specialty alcohol, beard stuff, uh, you know, woodworking. Beard stuff. Beard what, stuff. What is that? Like beard, beard stuff. Oil, beard oil. <laughs> like anything you can think of. The fancy little stone and concrete ornaments. It's it's a wonderful place. I love going to Third and Bird, but they won't be at Hudson's Bay anymore. So Jeff Forty, I'm going to ask you to bring both of our guests on here because whenever there's more than one guest, I always end up hanging up on one of them. We're joined live on 680 CJOB by the co-founders of Third and Bird, Chandra Kremsky and Charlotte Smeal. Chandra, good morning to you. Good morning. And Charlotte, good morning to you. Good morning. So you're moving. You're not going to be at Hudson's Bay downtown anymore. Chandra, where are you going? We are going to the Red River Exhibition Park, and we're super excited about this. Well, I I wouldn't expect you to say anything else. (laughs) I I, I was guessing that you you were excited about the move, but... I've got to ask one word. Why? <laughs> I'll let the word of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we have loved that space. We truly have. Like we said, you know, um, bringing life to a space and a new space in downtown. But, you know, as our markets grow, we just find ourselves needing to expand creatively, logistically. And we're lucky that this is going to be our fourth venue change and that we're allowed to, you know, grow creatively and show Winnipeg how much better we can even make this market. So it's just a blank canvas. It was time for us to move and expand again and find a venue that could do that for us. Now, the Hudson's Bay floor space is huge. It is a big footprint. Is yes. that, what is the, 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 the difference in square footage? I mean, it's different. It's a lot more square footage, but you're factoring, you know, in four-foot square concrete poles, elevators, escalators. So usable space, we're about the exact same with the Assiniboine Down, um, not Assiniboine Down, sorry, Red River X. It's about the same square footage, but we're dealing with just like a space that has one set of poles that are really tiny. So it's actually quite fun for us to reimagine this um, and just use a space that... um, it's just one big square. So we've got a lot of fun plans. Well, and, I, and I would imagine too, Chandra, that uh, cell reception and wireless reception will probably be yes. better there, right? Because uh, I know that uh, I, I didn't have any problems this year because I brought cash. But last year, when I tried to use my debit card a couple of times, it wasn't working because you couldn't get a signal down there. Totally. I mean, and that's part of the charm about the Bay. You're in a historic building. And part of the fun when we moved there was, you know, transforming what once upon a time was the Zellers. But when they built that Bay, you know, that was back in the 1800s. They weren't thinking ATM machines and Wi-Fi and cell phones. And so for us, yeah, like those are very real and logistical challenges that we were faced each year of how do we get everybody's squares to work so they can make a transaction and the ATM machine and whatnot. And so with the uh, Red River X, you know, we get to have those opportunities because we're no longer down, you know, three floors into a basement. You know, So it's it's a big change for us. So technology is going to be advantageous for the makers, uh, which turns into advantages for the consumers as well. Uh, dare I utter the P word, the parking question? <laughs> Did this play a role in this at all? It's 
very valid. And it did. There's so many things that play a role. We absolutely want to like drive home the point that we love downtown. We love the opportunity that we have had being there for years um, and to activate that space. Um, but yes, like, and kudos to the Jets over the years when they've made it to the playoffs and done really well. You know, that brought in 40,000 additional cars down into the downtown space, which made it very challenging at the same time of hosting our markets. And so with Red River X, you have a plethora of parking spaces. It is free. Um, it is a big bonus for sure. A plethora. So that was another. That, that was a good P word as well. Congratulations for sneaking that into casual conversation. <laughs> oh no, we can't do that routine right now. This is obviously exciting for the two of you, and so thanks for uh, for hitting the the hard balls that that we threw across the plate because you know we we had to get to the to the bottom of this. So what are the dates and and what other changes uh, might you be able to tantalize us with? We will be, our spring market is going to be April 17th, 18th, and 19th. Um, and yeah, we just have a lot of exciting plans that we haven't been able to do um, at the day that we're going to be doing this. So we will keep those under wraps <laughs> for now. But yeah, um, this hasn't been an easy decision. We've had a year in planning all of this, and we're excited to show you, you know, what we can do with a new space. Okay. So April, isn't the spring market usually in May? Yes, it usually is in May. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, yes, it's usually in in May. Um, Again, with, you know, moving to a venue that is, you know, booked years in advance, we, um, you know, took dates that were available to us. And so we're bumping it up, I believe, two weeks earlier than we normally do. Um, But it will still be before Mother's Day, which is a great time to get your shopping and and get a special gift for that someone in your life who's been a good influence. Well, and in terms of the shopping, like I I wrapped my Christmas presents the other day. And I I thought when I walked out of the Christmas market that I had mostly just bought for myself. But I gave you, I got you presents, Greg, from Third and Bird. Fantastic. Yeah, I got some stuff, some fancy tree ornaments from Winnipeg north of Fargo. And I got some cards, some punny cards for Loren McNabb, because she likes the puns, uh, from Sarah Neville Studios, I think. And, I yes. just, and then uh, just looking under my trees, half of my gifts all came from Third and Bird. So that's Aww. why I like it so much, because you never know what you're going to find there. It's, it's the most unique shopping experience I've ever had. Oh, well, thanks. That's super kind. And that's always our goal is to like bring uh, a spotlight and highlight to these unique makers, you know, not just in Manitoba, but across Canada. So you can find those one of a kind gifts. Kremsky, I got to ask you, how did did, uh, Sasky treat you? How did things go in Saskatoon? Oh, it was so much fun. Saskatoon's a great city, uh, really amazing energy. It reminded us a lot of Winnipeg. It almost felt like a, a brother-sister city. And uh, yeah, we were welcomed with open arms, and we're excited to say that we're going back this year. Oh, right on. Well, you guys just keep plugging. I mean, you just had a couple of <laughs> pop-ups at the Forks. When's your next pop-up? The next, no pop-ups planning again. <laughs> we're still planning those things, but it'll probably be, we're thinking Mother's Day after our market, we might go back at the fork. But next big event is the spring market, April 17th to 19th. Well, Shander Kremsky and Charlotte Smeal, congratulations on this uh, exciting change for Third and Bird. 
Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're always so great with your, your support. We really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us this morning. And we always appreciate when you come in to see us and appreciate what you do. I mean, these are two Winnipeg entrepreneurs who have facilitated dozens, if not hundreds, of other Winnipeg entrepreneurs who are all successful because of these two. Yeah, the, you're talking about activating that space. You've activated and made it possible for many entrepreneurs to achieve and to chase their dreams, uh, you two. And so thanks for what you do and uh, Merry Christmas and a uh, Happy New Year because uh, you are inspiring on so many levels and, and doing things for for the community that I think are uh, yet uh, underappreciated. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.